Hi, everybody. This is Henry Brickman, Sweet Home PCB, welcoming you right back here for this edition of the podcast, telling you all about hurricane season. We have Chief Meteorologist Chris Smith standing by with the latest information on what's going on with him, hurricane season, and some great tips for you. It all starts right now. What's your favorite part about being a dad? To see them have success, you know, but man, to get there, it's so hard because like, it's so easy for me. Like I can tell him things and like, we went on this father son weekend, uh, this weekend up in North Carolina, uh, at a camp, uh, called falling Creek. And it was awesome. But like, you know, you, we were, you can commiserate with other dads and stuff, but it's so funny. Like I wanted my, like, I never had a lot of confidence growing up and, I was, or I was shy. Like I was, I didn't know I was going to be a TV person of 20 some odd years, put it that way. Right. Um, and through my career and getting into TV, my love of weather gave me the confidence to do it. But over time I've been able to have confidence and I can talk about anything and I'm comfortable in who I am. And a lot of that came because of television and so I was like, I said, before I was a dad, I said, the one thing I want to do is I don't want my son to lack confidence in who he is and, and stuff. Like I want him to start off ahead of where I was. It took me 20 plus years to become comfortable in who I was. And, uh, and oh, I failed miserably. Um, you can't do it. They just have to have success on their own. And that's probably like the most frustrating part of being a dad is like, like, just listen to me. I'm telling you, this is how you do it. And the, you know, and, uh, it just doesn't work. But then like the most satisfying thing is when you see that they have success, but in the end, eh, maybe not much of it is on you. It's, they kind of figure it out on their own, but, um, it's, it's, you know, being a dad's a lot of fun. Uh, it's frustrating, uh, costs a lot of money, but, um, uh, you know, to see him have success and to be happy, you know, and it's like, and it's not like happy, like, you know, because I bought him a toy or a video game, but like, you know, for him to catch a fish or, you know, um, you know, things like that, things that don't, aren't correlated with money or anything, just simple things in life or even for him to do well on a test. I like to see that too. We don't push grades too much only in third grade, but, uh, you know, I like to, I like to see him have success. You hate to see him frustrated but you know that's life you have to be frustrated with things and not have success you know that's why i make him i shouldn't say i'll make him play football but he has to play a sport and so like he played football last year and i like football because there's a lot of failure in it but there's also a lot of sacrifice you know he doesn't he didn't know much about football uh i mean he knew a little bit but certainly not the game and how to play and so you know he was on the offensive line because at peewee level football you're that's kind of where you were going to put kids that don't know what they're doing, you know, just push this guy forward and, you know, do that. And so, uh, but you know, you learned a lot of skills like about sacrifice and, you know, you're not going to score a touchdown most likely, you know, so you, uh, you know, but your job is to push a guy all the way. So the guy behind you can score a touchdown, you know, and that's a good metaphor for life. You're not always going to be star quarterback or the star running back. Sometimes you have to do other work and, you know, your success, uh, comes when other people do great things because you sacrifice for him. So I don't know. Being a dad's fun. So yeah, we were up in uh, North Carolina and had a fun weekend. God, we played hard. He he walked over thirty thousand steps on Saturday. His little Fitbit thing. Wow. Like speaking of world records, he always likes to keep track of like his personal world records. Like he rode our bike from Inlet Beach to Seaside and back, and it's like twenty miles. Uh, so that's his biking world record. So he's always trying to, which is good though, because like that helps push you to be better. Except for like the shower. At some point, there's a point of diminishing returns. You don't want to <laughs> yeah. set a world record on your shower speed. Well, well, you know, <laughs> boys will be boys. Yes. You have to remember that. <laughs> now, keep in mind, I had a daughter, so I didn't have that experience. But you now have a daughter. Yes. Who runs the house. Holy cow. It's so funny how different boys and girls are, uh, just like naturally. Uh, she's totally different. And that's been uh, the temper tantrums are just ridiculous. 
like she'll throw herself on the floor and just pitch a fit. And it looks like it's a it's a cliche of like what a fit pitching is. Um, yeah, she's uh, she's really she's a lot of fun. Loves her daddy right now. She's definitely in a mama phase, but like everything she loves art. She loves dolls. She loves dresses. You know, her third birthday party, she wanted a pink pancake princess party. And my wife got her a pink pancake princess party. So yeah, she's all, all girl, but you know, totally, totally different than Charlie. Like very, very few things are, you're able to use to, (laughs) to get like, Oh, Charlie was the guinea pig. This is how we're going to do it this time. Nope. It's all different. It's a girl. Yeah. Lila Grace. You know, there is something that, that people say, especially when go from the first child to the second child. It's it is a it's boys and girls are totally different anyway. Mm-hmm. Every child's different. Yes. But it is different for the mom and dad when you go through that. Yeah. Yeah, we were um I mean, we had six years between Charlie and Lila. Like we were I was done. Um and I thought we were done. Because Charlie was an IVF baby. So it cost us like $40,000 to get him into the world. <laughs> so, like, well, clearly we're not being able to get pregnant on our own. So we're smooth sailing. So unless I'm dropping another check, we're probably going to have one child and be done. And then uh, and then uh, Lila came for free. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm 48 now with a three-year-old. So it's going to keep you young. It really it'll, will. It'll do something. That's for it's, sure. Yeah. We're talking to Chief Meteorologist Chris Smith, News Channel Seven, WGHG. Of course, we're we're in the stu- new studio. This is the first time I've been in the studio. Yeah, and it's nice. It is very nice. Of course, I mean I've been in the studio with you before. Of course, it was in another state. Yep. But uh, I tell you what, I'm I. Okay. You know. When you look back at when you started your television career, mm-hmm. you've you've been to some pretty interesting places. Yeah, first, one of them, the first gray station. Yep, WALB was there for thirteen months, August of ninety six to September of ninety seven. Then I went to Macon. Uh, I was there from September ninety seven until two thousand and five. And up to Atlanta for a while, and then uh, kind of decided that I was looking for a quality of living over quantity of living, per se, and wanted to get back into a small market and uh, knew of this area because of my time in college uh, at FSU. And then uh, my parents had bought a house down here in the early 2000s, and I just kind of marked this as a place I would like to kind of get back to and uh, was able to make that happen when uh, Jason decided to leave. And I talked to Jason. Jason called me up. He said, hey, I think I'm going to leave. You interested still? I was like, sign me up. So there we are. That was 13, uh, coming up on 13 years ago. Um, So yeah, I've been doing this now 26 years, which is crazy. I think it's crazy that I followed you just about everywhere you went. <laughs> You've literally known me my whole like adult life. I mean, when you think about it, I was in 97, I would have been 24. 20, well, I was 23, about ready to turn 24 when I went to MAZ. Yeah. And that's when I went over to uh, Z108, 99 Ways. Yep. WDEN. Now, when I got there, you. You guys were gone out of the building. I we just they just just because they were all still the radio rooms were all still upstairs. But I think you guys had just left and went downtown. Yes, Uh, Don McCoy that owns Magic Broadcasting Mm -hmm. here. uh, He was the part one of the partners there with U.S. Broadcasting Magic Broadcasting Mm -hmm. Macon, and was able to purchase ninety nine ways and Z one hundred eight. In the 1980s, two of the fiercest rifles in Georgia radio, if there ever was. And now we all had to share a room. And, of course, David Nolan, who's with us at Beach yeah. 95.1, uh, 
he had a studio with no window between him and AM 940. Uh, Kenny B probably said a few things just to <laughs> get Gosh. old Bill Elder started. All these names. Yes. I mean, yeah, we really go back. I mean, it's it's hard to believe because, yeah, because I was, I was pretty young back then, too. Of course, I am older, but not. <laughs> but, uh, uh, almost. But, uh, well, I think. Uh, I won't say how long, but uh, it's just to see the careers go around and to see you go from Albany to Macon to Atlanta and then settle here and settle in a good way. Because mm-hmm. if this really, for for somebody in weather, this is never boring. No. I, I mean, that's the, I love it. Now, I like it because, I also like it because I get breaks. I don't have to worry too much about winter weather. Um, obviously, hurricane season's a pain, uh, you know, because you're on pins and needles the whole season with everything out there, and especially now with the internet. And there's so much more information out there um, that people can see, and so you're kind of like, um, you know, there is a certain amount of. I hate to say disinformation because it's overused, but like, you know, there's so much information out there that uh, just the other week, you know, there GFS was showing a hurricane in the Gulf, uh, you know, a, a few days from now. Well, that's not happening, but you know, it was out there and you're having to kind of put out fires and stuff like that. So there's so much information out there. And then you also throw in now social media, which is just ramped it up because now like, you know, it used to be that you, communicated when it was news time and then the rest of the time. But now there's kind of a little bit of an expectation that you need to provide the information all the time. And, you know, it's, that's a challenge when you're, I, it makes you work all the time, you know, and that that's definitely a challenge, especially with having a family and stuff like that. You know, I, uh, in the mornings and you know, washing dishes, I do the, I do the dishes and laundry at our house. And, you know, it's like, Holy cow. It was a lot easier when I didn't have a wife and kids and I could just like, bury myself in it and uh but uh yeah it's definitely everything you know everything's changed but this for the business in general but um you know this is a great place to work because you know the the weather there's so many little things that go on like uh i was talking to someone this weekend and they were asking me what's your favorite kind of weather and i was like i love the sea breeze it fascinates me I love it. I can watch, I watch that thing every day, especially in the summertime. I mean, it's already kicked in a number of times, but summertime is most evident. You see it just like everything that happens that creates it and pushes it in, in, you know, from the beach and how that creates thunderstorms and everything. Uh, it never gets old. And then trying to think about trying to figure out like where the next thunderstorm is going to pop up from an outflow boundary. Uh, you know, the weather is very dynamic here uh, and I like it, but you know, we do have our quiet spells, you know, uh, once you get out of hurricane season, then it's usually pretty quiet December and January into February. And then you start getting into your severe weather season, you know, as you get into February, March, April. And then we get May usually is pretty quiet. Um, and then, you know, here we are back again for uh, hurricane season on June 1st. So, um it's uh, it keeps you on your toes, but I do like the fact that it's you know there's some places like I interviewed for a job in Little Rock, and uh, it just wasn't going to be a good fit. I'm not really from there, um, and I wasn't as comfortable because it was just far from home and um, where I kind of was hoping to be, and so I ended up turning it down. But like, man, Little Rock, good lord, it's always something there. You know, they get severe weather all the time. They get winter storms don't get much of a break uh and you know i like hurricane season it kind of gives me my window and it's stressful but you know there are i at least get at least there's some weather breaks we have a lot of really nice weather here and gives you a chance to breathe a little bit that's uh, important to do especially yes. <laughs> well you, you never really you, you never really think about it when the viewers at home and during the years of course a lot of the years that that we were starting in our, you would see the chief on all the time, mm-hmm. literally all the time, which is harder to do when you have a family. Yeah, that's been the, I mean, that's been the biggest struggle because I mean, you live in, I mean, you know, I mean, from like radio, I mean, people that work that do weather, weather you, I knew in third grade, I want to be a meteorologist. I've been a weather geek my whole life. And 
Then when your career is wet, it doesn't matter. If I was flipping burgers at McDonald's, I would still love the weather. Well, when your career is weather and it's also your hobby, it's very difficult to construct those boundaries of when is work time and when is other time. And when you don't have a family, that doesn't matter. You can bury yourself in it because it's your whole life. And that's, you know, maybe not the healthiest thing, but you have the time to do it. But, you know, obviously you can't do that when you have a family because, um, you know, that's a quick way to get divorced and unhappy pretty quick. So when you bury yourself in something, so that's been very the t- costly too. Yes. Very costly. Um, or you, you know, really will be working a double shifts for a yes, long time. It's, um, you know, so it makes it, it makes it difficult to create those boundaries and like how you, you know, like I've, I've struggled with feeling like I'm, I don't do as good of a job as I did before having a family, you know, because I feel like I'm not able to bury myself in it the way I did before. It's just not feasible, but, uh, I mean, hopefully people think I still do a good job, but like there are, those are things I struggle with, like as I haven't had a, you know, one kid and then having two kids is like having three kids as far as like somebody told me like when you're okay two you're outnumbered, totally think that's right. <laughs> it's it really is. two kids was a game changer for sure. And, um, you know, so you just do the best you can, but you know, it's, um, uh, it's definitely a challenge. One of the biggest challenges I, I really see in a local standpoint is trying to keep it, you know, fair, concise to the point, And most of all, not jumping on it or jumping the gun, I should say. I mean, you know, th- that just comes with experience though. You know, as you get older, you know, like when someone's throwing out that, you know, uh, a week or plus ago that, Hey, there's a category, you know, or there's a hurricane in the Gulf next week, you know, which was supposed to be like the end of this week. Um, you know, it doesn't mean it can't happen, but with experience tells you like the GFS, which is what it was, is famous in those longer outlook periods of spinning up systems. Um, you know, and you know, you don't, you have to understand the limitations. So I'm not really going to talk too much about it until I feel like there's a little bit more there to it. Just because it's there doesn't mean that, uh, I have to talk about it. And so, you know, I like to think that people, when I talk about it, will put more credence in it and worry, you know, that's when the, I shouldn't say worry, that's the time to start being concerned maybe about it. Uh, you know, if I'm talking about it, if I'm not, it doesn't mean that there's not the potential for something, but I'm not going to talk about it until I feel like there's a legitimate threat, you know, because I know I've done this long, long enough to know that, Hey, the GFS typically, you know, and especially when you look at other models or that, what are they saying? Um, you know, is there a consistency run to run? Is it, you know, yo-yoing back and forth? Yes and no. Yes and no. You know, there are all these little things that you can look for. And until you start to see some consistency in it, you know, it's, I don't want to, I don't want to cause people to fret about it because otherwise then you're, then you're crying wolf, you know, it's like, oh, he's always talking about a storm and, you know, we haven't been hit and however long or, you know, like, Hey, I thought he said there was supposed to be a hurricane this week. And then, you know, that never materializes. So I try to, you know, do that now for other people to mention it. I mean, that's their right. There are plenty of weather hobbyists out there. And, and I guess to a certain extent, the right to even be able to, you know, mention it, it does exist in this computer model, but, um, you know, having the knowledge to know how, likely or unlikely that is, I think is important. And, you know, is why, you know, you want to try and trust, uh, somebody that, you know, especially somebody that's been around the block a time or two, rather than like, uh, you know, the headline of, Oh, there's a hurricane in the Gulf next week. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not. I know I kind of raised a few eyebrows when, uh, back at, well, been a few years back. 20 years ago, uh, back when we had what I, you, you may even remember me calling it this, the snowstorm that never was on Z108. Uh, this was, this was one of those situations where, of course, we were kind of having a little fun with it, but January of 2000, you told us, you told us something very special about that. And it taught me a lesson about 
the fact that even though it may be snowing up in the atmosphere, it doesn't mean it's going to come all the way down. Yeah. Snow forecasting is the worst. And that was a, that was a big lesson that I learned. You know, I'd only been doing weather, I think for about four years at that point. And, you know, it was one of those things that like, it was looking like it was going to be a huge snow. And that's one of the reasons why I hate snow forecasting so much. Hey, it's very tricky. But then like when you put it in the South, it's even worse because like literally everybody lives and dies by it. And no matter what you do, they're either pissed that you got the snow or didn't get the snow. So they're all just always angry at you no matter what. But yeah, I remember that one. That was January. I think it was January of 2000. And it was supposed to be, it was looking like it was going to be a big snowstorm. And then it just, that was several days out, which right there is one lesson that you learn about snow forecasting is how much it can change. Uh, And it was like going to be a big event. And then by the time it got there, everything just kind of got eaten up by dry, the dry air, the snow couldn't overcome the dry air. And we ended up getting like nothing out of it. Um, you know, that was a big lesson. God, I remember that I had a dude that showed up at the TV station, showed up at the TV station and was wanting me to pay for his groceries (laughs) that he bought for the snowstorm that didn't materialize. Yes. All yes. that milk and bread at the Freakly yep. Wiggly. The guy was from Milledgeville. I remember that. Oh, man, yeah. that that sucked. Uh, but it was a good lesson. Um, you know, and that's the cool thing about weather is that you're always learning lessons. Uh, and experience really matters as you do it for longer. Because, I mean, you know, there's a ton of failure in weather as far as forecasting. I mean, you know, it's not gospel. And so there are a lot of lessons that you learn and you learn from your mistakes of forecasting and you try not to repeat them by learning from those uh, mistakes. And then also, too, doing a better job of conveying the uncertainty. And I think sometimes we uh, there's pressure from viewers and self and even promotional pressure to a certain extent because that, you know, it's like, oh, they're the most accurate or this or that. Um, and they're, you you can feel like you need to make a de- definitive uh, prediction. And the reality is sometimes you just can't. You know, there's uncertainties as far as, you know, well, if this happens, then, you know, this is what's going to happen. Uh, but this is not out of the realm of possibility that if we have enough dry air in place, you know, that snow is going to get eaten up and it might not, you know, materialize. And, you know, some people are like, ah, oh, your joke, you know, it's like half the time you're right, you're wrong or whatever. Or you're just hedging your bets. Well, I mean, that's weather, you know, it's not gospel. It's, uh, not a hundred percent, uh, all the time. And that's one of the things I've gotten much better at as I've gotten older is learning to, when I tell my weather story, uh, about you know what's going to happen with the weather is to convey the uncertainty uh, that exists because within every forecast there's a certain amount of uncertainty as to what's going to happen um, you know because everything with weather is very fluid uh, now for the most part we do a really good job and we're right way more than we're wrong way better than 50 50. Uh, but there are still, you're always going to be wrong. This past weekend was very, a very tricky forecast from like last Friday through the weekend. Uh, finally Sunday, Monday, things, you know, got much more active, but Saturday, Saturday we had rain, but it wasn't, uh, there was periods of decent weather too on Saturday, maybe a little bit better than, uh, what we thought, but, um, you know, so there's a lot of lessons to be learned in, in weather. It'll keep you humble. And that's one of the things that makes it a cool job is that it's not simple. It's not two plus two. It's always on two plus two is always going to equal four. Weather is much more, um, uh, much more predictive. And like you have to, it's like being a private investigator and you're looking for clues as to, you know, maybe who committed the crime. And this is only in this case, you're looking for clues as to what's going on in the atmosphere and what's going to cause change the weather. You know, what's going on with the weather, what's going to change the weather, and how's it going to change? And, uh, you, know, you know, you get it right a lot, but there are times that, you know, you, you know, make a, a mistake. You don't see something. Um, so, you know, that's you're always having to go back and, like, learn from your 
mistakes. And anytime like you get like in a little lucky streak, uh, Mother Nature has a nasty habit of setting you straight, reminding you who uh, who's in charge. Absolutely. Of course, you found out who was in charge too, uh, just like everybody else. In October of that certain year. Yep. Exactly one week after I got my Florida driver's license. Oh my gosh. Yeah, to the minute. And I went to Albany mm-hmm. to hide. Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next time I'm listening to you, pal. Yeah. Let's yeah. talk about hurricane and hurricane season. Yeah. As we come up, we're talking to Chief Meteorologist Chris Smith with WGHG News South Channel 7. We've got more coming up. Sellingthepanhandle.com is where you can find a home, get a free home value, and contact me, Henry Brickman, at Keller Williams Success Realty. Visit sellingthepanhandle.com to get started. That's sellingthepanhandle.com. October 2018 changed the landscape and the hearts of a lot of people here in the Panhandle. And one of the people that knew exactly what was going on, well, the best he could, Chief Meteorologist Chris Smith, WGHG, and of course, you were on the air quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Y'all had nothing. You had no satellite. You had nothing. For no internet. No, no internet. No, no, <laughs> no air conditioning. No. Nope. Uh, you had, and, and you were constantly. I got to say, you guys did a wonderful job. You just with what you had, especially going out there and doing the updates on what's going on, what has happened, and using some common sense as to what to do after all of that. Yeah, I mean, that that whole thing was just surreal. Um, just everything about it. Uh, you know, when you think, you think you're, when you're a kid, a young meteorologist, you like, look back, my first day of college at FSU for meteorology was the day that Hurricane Andrew made landfall. You know, Brian Norcross became famous for being the only guy to basically stay on the air and getting people through the hurricane and it made his career. And so you look at that and you're like, yeah, I want that to happen one day. You know, that's, I want to do that. Uh, but you don't think about, uh, cause you're a kid. Uh, you don't think about the people and how they are affected. Um, you know, like the residents of where the hurricane hit. So in a way it's like, yeah, you don't want that to happen. You know, and that was that was one of the things I took away from it is it's, it's a whole different ball game when you've set up camp in a town and it's your home and your home is getting destroyed by a hurricane and your friends are, you know, you know, losing their homes and their lives are being upended. So there was nothing that was, you know, that, you know, 18 uh, year old Chris that was kind of looking for that opportunity and, you know, 40 some odd year old Chris that the opportunity came at that point, like I, you didn't want it. And especially after the fact, you definitely, um, you know, didn't, you don't ever care to see something like that again. That, that was something that was real uh, difficult, but yeah, that, uh, that hurricane, I mean, thank God it was short fused because of social media. The, the workload is just tremendous leading up to a hurricane uh, whether it's going to hit your area or not, you know, if it, if you're in anywhere, it's a threat. It's a ton of work. Well, you know, once you're not in uh, threat mode, you know, you don't have to stress as much or do as extra coverage. But you know, it was that week before there was we saw that there was something that could form down there. Now we never knew that it would ever be anything like uh, it ended up being. And then uh, by Sunday, leading up to the storm, so the storm hit on Wednesday. By Sunday, I knew it could be big. Never would I have guessed category five, um, you know, although there were models that were hinting that, you know, but like they, they were so outlier that you're like, there's no way, you know, like ah, that can't happen. Uh, but we knew that it could be big. And so like on Monday is when I sent my family away and I've never sent my family away for a hurricane. Um, I've always been very clear about what I'm doing with my family. Uh, so people don't, you know, Everyone's into conspiracy theories, like, and so uh, I'm always very clear, like, I oh, know my family's sheltering in place, or you know, but that's the only time I sent my family away, um, and I sent them to Biloxi because I knew that would be far enough on the western side that they would be okay, not in Albany for sure. I'm sorry I didn't call you and double check. <laughs> uh, we had cat what category two, category three winds, yeah, 
I mean, my my mother-in-law lives in uh, between Camilla and Bainbridge in southwest Georgia, and they had the power was out long, way longer for them up there. I was very rural, of course, but than it was here. And they had way worse weather there than they did like at my house. Now I live in Walton County, but you know, my extent of damage was I had dirty porches uh, from the storm. And uh, that was about, that was about it. I had power back by Friday, you know, and that was really weird. You know, my kids were in school that following Tuesday and you know, my friends and people that lived, I barely lived in Walton County, but by, you know, 50 feet, and so people that were over on the other side, they didn't know when they were going back to school. Uh, that was that was really surreal too. But yeah, they by su- Monday Sunday I was concerned, and Monday is when I sent my family away, and then obviously Tuesday and Wednesday it just kept getting stronger. You know, you went from like ah, could be a tropical storm or hurricane, and then by Sunday we knew it could be. Uh, you know, probably a category one or two, uh, possibly a category three. And then, uh, Monday is like category three and then category four. And then, you know, there you are, you wake up, uh, Wednesday morning and it's a category four, uh, moving North. And I can remember I, I was sleeping here at the station back in the old control room on an air mattress and got, you know, a couple hours of sleep back there. And then they woke me up the bosses did and said, Hey, the new advisory came out and it's a category four. Do you think we're okay to stay in the building? That was, that was crazy. Um, cause that was, you know, it's a, it's a lot of responsibility. Those are things that you're not prepared for. Um, I was prepared. Like I took care of the kids that the reporters, really, I mean, they're all kids. They're 22, 23, 24 year olds, right out of college. They don't know anything about weather for the most part, you know, and, uh, you know, it's certainly not enough to know where necessarily they could be safe and not safe. So I did make sure that they were okay. And I felt comfortable like with what our plan was with them. Uh, but the TV station, uh, part, I just always assumed we would stay here, but it got to that point that, you know, and I don't even know if I made the right decision, you know, looking back on it, if it had wobbled, a little bit to the right if it came in on Panama City Beach. I don't know. You know, so maybe I didn't make the right decision. Maybe I just got lucky uh, deciding to stay. Um, but, you know, I think the interesting thing is now I don't think we would have stayed if Michael was post 2020 because we saw with the pandemic how easy it is to work remotely and to set up a studio and do all those things that I have a feeling that if anything close to that happened again, that they would probably pull the plug much sooner just to be safe, knowing that it's, it's a lot easier than anyone dreamed of to put together, um, a newscast, um, you know, put together a weather cast and broadcast, uh, remotely, um, then, uh, than we knew pre 2020, you know? So, I mean, that might be one of the good things coming out of COVID for TV was, you know, we were able to do some pretty cool stuff. I mean, I had a weather studio in my bedroom. That was something I got, I, it was hard for me to get used to. <laughs> but I mean, like, yeah. is, is your wife going to tell you it's, it's time to pick up your socks? Well, occasionally you could, you could, uh, <laughs> you could hear the kids occasionally. Yeah. I had to do it in the bedroom because I couldn't do it in the living room because the kids was, you know, the kids needed some place to be. Yeah. So like they spend a lot of time in the living room. So it really wasn't feasible, uh, to like lock them in their bedrooms or something. So, uh, so we ended up doing it in the bedroom, which was interesting because, uh, my bedroom looked like an adult film, uh, set. Um, but you know, and also too, like my wife, she's a saint. Yeah. She, she would have to sleep on the sofa downstairs until the 10 o'clock news was over. And then I would break it down, turn off the lights and I would go down and get her and tell her she could come to bed. But like, so she wasn't able to go to bed because my, our bedroom was a a weather studio. So I don't think like with hurricane Michael, I don't think if we happen again, that we would probably end up staying here. Cause I think 
the potential risk is. And like I said, we ended up staying and it worked out fine. We were all okay. And we were way luckier than the other station in town, which was closer to the eye wall. Yeah. But had the storm wobbled a little bit more this way, you know, we might have been in that situation. And I don't know if they would have would do it differently next time. You know, I tend to think that they probably would, probably for similar reasons. Uh, but um, yeah, now you can get up in that big bunker in Atlanta that uh, great television ball mm-hmm. to produce all the big TV shows. Yeah. Hey, why not? I mean, you can still do it though in the viewing area with like the internet though, you could have gone to Okaloosa County. Like we felt much more comfortable that Okaloosa County would have much fewer impacts. Yeah. Um, you know, or you could have gone to, I mean, the gray has a million stations. Now you could go to a lot of stations and, uh, and actually be in a studio and broadcast. But I mean, even if you were to do it, uh, just so you could stay closer because there is a benefit to being in the market, you know, especially when it comes to reporters and just resources and stuff like that. Um, you know, you could, uh, yeah, take that back because, you know, if you have these reporters straight out of college, uh, first going through something like this, us experienced folks need to be around to kind of help them get oh, through. Oh, a hundred, a hundred percent. I mean, that's where, you know, we're lucky that, you know, it's not just me. I mean, niece has been here, you know, a long time. Scott's been here a long time. Uh, Donna's been here a long time. Of course we had Paris at the time had been here a long time. So, I mean, I'm one of the kids, uh, relatively speaking compared to them. They're way, way older than me. Um, don't tell them I said that. Uh, but you know, we're, we're lucky that we do have for a small market, you know, there is a revolving door of the reporters and stuff, but our uh, leadership uh, has been here quite a while. And so they've been through a lot, whether, you know, Hurricane Ivan, other storms, um, you know, to kind of lean on as far as experience about what worked, what didn't work, what do people need to worry about, things like that. So that was, um, uh, you know, that, that's a good thing. Uh, to have that kind of experience so you can, you know, get the maximum amount of information and get the information out, but also, you know, obviously keep those kids safe because, you know, it's not worth uh, someone losing their life, getting caught up in a storm surge, trying to, you know, get uh, good video and things of that nature. I'm sure you've got your hurricane special coming up not too long from now. Uh, talking about what all you got to do to get prepared for hurricane season. But let me ask you this. After mm-hmm. going through, Michael, has that changed the way you prepare? Uh, I mean, there's, they're recommending uh, some of the recommendations now are like to have a week supply of things. But I think because of Hurricane Michael, that people are much more aware. And now there's... People are going to be much more concerned as far as the worrying about, is it going to be another Michael? And the reality, can it, can there be another Michael? Absolutely. The chances of being hit by two Michaels in our lifetime in the same area, very slim. Doesn't mean it can't happen, uh, but people are much more likely now to be, to prepare. And I think people are going to be much more likely to leave in general, you know, because with hurricanes, you're, most of the time you really just shelter in place it's only people that are at risk of rising water that evacuate because you end up with a lot of issues when everyone leaves like with we found with hurricane opal um uh back in the 90s uh you know where people got stuck on 231 basically in a hurricane because uh a the storm strengthened at the last minute uh, that night before. And so everyone went like, yeah, it's a one, we'll be fine. And then woke up and it was a four, you know, and then everyone's like panic. Oh, we got to get out of here. Uh, but everyone left, you know, and then um, uh, Hurricane Floyd. Remember uh, that one? That was another that was another one that they kind of changed their thinking on what uh, only people with threat of right from threat of rise, rising water should evacuate. Cause you remember Floyd kind of ran parallel to the U S coastline all the way from South Florida up into the Carolinas through Georgia. And so basically like almost like, you know, half the East coast got evacuated because it ran that close. And, um, and so they just evacuated people, uh, regardless and so that was kind of the change was with floyd and i think it was 98 
uh, where they kind of change their thinking as far as, you know, hey, it's just people from risk of rising water. Um, but I think people are more in, are going to be more likely to evacuate, but they're also going to be more likely to probably take it a little more seriously. But I mean, that's natural. Like after you get hit, you know, in 20 years, I'll, I have no doubt that there'll be, we'll have a ton more people here and we won't have been hit by probably too many storms, hopefully God willing, you know, and, and people will start to let their guard down. More people will forget, um, as the population increases, there'll be more people that aren't even aware of like Hurricane Michael uh, and what it did. Now, for those of us that have been here, I think, you know, you have a lot more people that are going to take it seriously and have their supplies, stuff like that. Um, you know, um, with like the supplies, you know, they're recommending some uh, times now to keep seven days of supplies. It's historically been three. I still think three is a good number, um, you know, because People tend to, like the guy in Milledgeville with the snow, people tend to overcompensate on my stuff. Overcompensate. Yeah. Like, you know, less is more. You're trying to get by. We're not eating fillets. And, you know, you're, you're in, to a certain extent, you're in survival mode is what you're doing. So, you know, the types of things you need, uh, you know, I think you can get, you know, your get by with, uh, you know, things like peanut butter and, not people tend to go a little overboard on the things that they uh, need, but uh, you know, having their uh, disaster kit, but keeping, keeping it minimal. I mean, like think about the basics. You want water, like don't scrimp on water, make sure you have your medications, make sure your insurance policy, all that stuff is up to date. You know, just kind of go down the list, but I always recommend, I always tell people three days, uh, but just keep it simple. Don't go overboard. Cause I mean like three days of stuff, especially like you have a family of four, it can be a lot of stuff. So let's keep it small. Let's keep it, you know, minimal things, you know, power bars, things like that. You're, you're trying to stay alive. Um, you know, but in the end, if you have the ability and the means, uh, money wise to evacuate or go someplace, you know, then I, you know, I always recommend that stay out of harm's way but not everyone always has that opportunity or the means to do it or know someone you know i'm fortunate enough i sent my family went and stayed at the beau ravage in biloxi not a bad way my son's still like he gets excited when there's a hurricane because he remembered how much fun he had you know like yeah (laughs) like a five-star hotel like so and video games and all that kind of stuff so but i'm glad though that uh, we got our power back in Walton County on Friday because the rate went from like, you know, a week casino rate isn't bad. I mean, it was like maybe a hundred bucks. If they had stayed Friday night, it went up to like 300 and some bucks a night. Oh. <laughs> like, nope, you'll be staying someplace else. So thank God we got the power back and they were able to come home. Not on a broadcaster salary. I'm sorry. <laughs> I can tell you that from from personal experience. All right, we'll wrap things up with Chris in just a moment. You're listening to Sweet Home PCB from the News Channel 7 WJHG Studios today. Sellingthepanhandle.com is where you can find a home, get a free home value, and contact me, Henry Brickman, at Keller Williams Success Realty. Visit sellingthepanhandle.com to get started. That's sellingthepanhandle.com. Back once again with Chief Meteorologist Chris Smith, News Channel 7. I tell you, uh, there's a lot of things to think about, but especially our homes when dealing with hurricane season. I mean, that's the thing is under, I'm not a builder. So, you know, not everyone knows like how well built their home is. And it's not to say one person's home is better than another, uh, but you know, how it's constructed, is it on, is it on pilings? Is it on slab? You know, are you shingle roof? Do you have metal roof? You know, does it have straps? What year was it built? Because, you know, the building codes have changed over the years. You know, if you have an older home, it may not be up to current codes. And so your house next door may be brand new and built to the current codes. And so, like, I might say, like, this person should stay, but assuming that they're not at risk of storm surge. And but the house next door, I would definitely leave, you know, because of the fact and uh, that it wasn't built under the current building codes for hurricanes. But if you have a new home that's built under the proper building codes, and I always recommend impact windows, um, 
that, you know, with a metal roof, if you have a good new home, man, most of the time, more times than not, unless you're at risk of rising water, I would always say shelter in place. Unless you're concerned about losing power and just don't want to have to deal with that. Obviously, then you can go. But, um, you know, understanding what year you're built, what year, what year your home was built and, you know, what the building codes were is, I think, critical as to understanding, like, how well your home is going to fare in a hurricane. Uh, but we saw like homes were, were built well and to code perform. And we're even talking about homes like Habitat for Humanity homes. So we're not talking about, you know, the, uh, you know, a bazillion dollar palace that somebody, you know, makes a ton of money and could afford to do it. I mean, we're talking about they had Habitat for Humanity homes that performed very well in the hurricane. They went through really bad parts of it. Uh, but because they were recent and built to code, they actually performed pretty well had minor superficial damage, but not anything that was uh, catastrophic or would have put someone at risk inside. So I think that's always important. And I'm not a builder uh, and it might take a little bit of research and looking back on, you know, the property appraiser site for what year your home was built uh, and things like that, if you don't know, and uh, and then cross-referencing that with the building codes and uh, what they were in Bay County or whatever county you're in at that time. Uh, and to see, you know, are there things that you can do to your home to strengthen it? You know, if you're wanting to stay, but at least understanding what your risk is, because, you know, just because your your neighbor might have a different risk than, uh, than you do. And so that might be more of a motivation to, um, to leave versus staying. Like, like I said, i uh, I've never sent my family away, but I also feel very confident because I know I knew a lot about my house, even though I'm not a builder. I knew the builder and I knew, you know, what the things were and, and the things to look for. I knew my I know my house was fine in pr in pretty much most hurricanes. So then at that point, it just becomes a uh, rising water. Are you at risk of that? based on the storm information and what we know. And then, um, you know, the, the comfortability on like the power situation, because uh, being in a hot house without power is not necessarily fun, especially with kids. So, you know, if you have the means at that point, you might be better off going to see family or staying in a hotel outside of the area, the threat area. Uh, so I, I just always recommend people try and understand about their home and when it was built and what the codes were then because that will have a big impact as to maybe how safe it is, especially for a powerful hurricane like Michael. Definitely. Of course, keep in mind your evacuation maps uh, with City yep. of Panama, City Beach. And all that Glen stuff Haven, changes. That. The flood the flood stuff yeah. changes. Uh, a lot of our area Often. has flood stuff changed just in the past couple of years. So you yes. may be in a different flood zone than what you were before. Keep in mind, there were parts of Mexico Beach that were flood zone X. Yes. That means that you don't have to have insurance, <laughs> flood insurance. Uh, and we yeah. know what happened there. And we know what happened there, 100%. And... Uh, with just that little bit of a wiggle. Yep. It could have, if that thing came, else. if that thing, we only had like, I forget the number now. I should, I should remember it. It was our evacuation rate was small for what should have been evacuating. If that storm came in on Panama city beach and pushed the storm surge up St. Andrews Bay, uh, the number of people that would have died would have been in very uh, high. Because you have to think about places like Lynn Haven. This place is flood anyway. If you pushed a uh, 15 to 20 foot storm surge into St. Andrews Bay, think about all of Panama City, all of Lynn, that whole area would have been underwater and you would have had, and that would have been from just a wobble of yeah. the storm. You would have had all those people that hadn't evacuated at threat uh, from rising water. I think of the fact that my backyard is only about 13 to 15 feet above sea level mm -hmm. 20 foot surge there's no way yeah. i mean even even in my neighborhood there'd be no way yeah i mean a lot you know like i know well, i'm pretty close to the bay too so yeah well and that being close to the bay is yeah not necessarily yeah. a good thing like yeah. my um um my house was um if i flooded it wasn't gonna flood from the front it was actually gonna flood from lake powell Oh yeah. So the storm surge would have filled mm -hmm. up Lake Powell and then it would have flooded from the back. 
Um, you know, so I, it would have been, I, I can't imagine it would have ever flooded from the front going from the Gulf. You know, it's still elevations pretty high there, but from the back, you're much more susceptible, uh, with the lower elevations along the lake and you basically fill up the lake and then you just flood as the water comes forward. Uh, so, um, you know, it's just, uh, understanding, you know, what your, the threats are to your home and how your home is built. All of that is, uh, critical. Well, we thank you, Chris, for being on Sweet Home PCB with us and appreciate the tour of the studio. Uh, I tell you, it's nice digs. It really is. It really is. And the air conditioner is working. I'm sorry it didn't work for Jessica in the, in the bunch this oh, morning. but Yeah. yeah it was. Uh, you know how us Georgia folks are about no air conditioning. You know? <laughs> well, you know, I mean, and everyone complains about how cold the studio is. Mm-hmm. Appreciate it now. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, hard to believe all those years ago, us getting started in Albany and Macon and all those areas, both of us would be in Panama City Beach. There are a few of us. The uh, Janice Boatwright, who sold me my cell phone, the same cell phone number I have now, she sold me that. Uh, She worked at the Sprint store at the corner of 3rd and Cherry. She was the manager. Well, she's a manager for several stores. But yeah, she sold me that. She's down here, too. Yeah. Uh, a number there is a number of us. You can't get away. I mean, I, I'm gonna tell you something. I've got to be careful what I say now, especially now that it's worldwide. But uh, when I'm on the air on Beach 95.1, or if I'm doing an appearance, uh, I have to be careful because I guarantee you, there's at least one person in the audience that I grew up with or know somebody I grew up with. Yep. <laughs> it's a small world and it's a small place down here. People forget that Panama City Beach has like 15,000, maybe full time, maybe more now, but it was like 13,000, you know, full time residents. It's a small town. People know everything. Yep. And we know so much more. <laughs> Selling the panhandle.com is where you can find a home, get a free home value, and contact me, Henry Brickman, at Keller Williams Success Realty. Visit sellingthepanhandle.com to get started. That's sellingthepanhandle.com. It's hard to believe hurricane season is right upon us. We want to make sure you follow those tips that you heard from Chris and so much more. We've got some very special tips about a very special program that's going to help out thousands of people with home buying. I'm going to talk all about this new program that Governor Ron DeSantis signed into law coming up. I mean, it's going to be pretty good. So if you're a teacher, law enforcement, whatever you're doing, chances are it may be a part of it. And we'll tell you all about it in our next episode of Sweet Home PCB. Brought to you by our friends at Keller Williams Success Realty. And, of course, Gulf Coast Greatest Hits, Beach 95.1, WPPC, who also helps produce this podcast. We hope to talk to you again real soon. Get yourself prepared for hurricane season. And don't forget, we have a tax-free time to get ready for hurricane season going on as well. Get all the details on our Facebook page at Sweet Home PCB. You can also follow us there and on Instagram and on Twitter. Except we're not going to do anything mean on there. Sweet Home PCB is all about the panhandle. We hope you'll join us again real soon. This is Sweet Home PCB.